You're listening to Scheitgeist, and I'm your host Joe, and Dave is on paternity leave, but fortunately, joining us is recurring special geist and geist host, Sean O'Connor. Hey Joe, how are you getting on? I am great, thank you very much for, for joining me today. You're quite welcome. You can follow the show on Twitter at ShiteGeistPod, or you can email ShiteGeistPod at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes because that really helps the show. We are discussing the most controversial film in the cinema right now. And I'm not talking about the Emoji movie. We are about to talk about the new Darren Aronofsky film, Mother! Ah, the exclamation point. Yes. Got it, got it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just want to get people's attention. Like. <laughs> that, that too. Um, so, Sean, you're very familiar with Darren Aronofsky's work. As am I. You're probably more familiar than I am. Well, to be quite honest, it's been a long time since I'd seen um, any of his films, but I have seen them all. And when you heard that there was going to be a new Darren Aronofsky movie, what did that, uh, what did that make you feel? What, what did you expect from a new Aronofsky film? It's like the same thing when you kind of hear there's a, there's a new Tarantino film. It's going to be uh, an auteur's work. It's going to be very, very distinctive and something that you have to see in the cinema. Okay. And we both did, albeit in, in different screenings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we both had very different experiences, but, but more on that later. Um, to, to drill down into Aronofsky's work. So um, for those unfamiliar, his, his movies include Pi, Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain, Black Swan, The Wrestler and Noah. And oh, yeah, that's right. And and now, most recently, Mother is out in the cinemas. So, <laughs> so um, when when I say these names to you, Sean, do you do you have any strong memories about these these movies, or do, do anything come to mind? Um, well, I think that Requiem for a Dream is something that sticks out in the mind of everyone who's ever seen it. In fact, just the other day, I was discussing something with one of my housemates, and as and as an example the final scene in Requiem for a Dream came up as 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 a reference point for something absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's always there and, and, and the music in it and the just the depths to which those characters plunge in that film has become a kind of uh, a reference point for, for so many other um, uh, cultural cultural references. It, it is. It's a touchstone for everyone. And, and you use the word awful. Uh, to be clear, I don't think you or I think it's an awful movie, but the the predicament of the characters as expertly well told as it is the predicament is awful it is yeah. indeed yeah yeah so i think we we may have to clarify as we go on uh, when we're using adjectives what what we think is horrific and terrible and awful but not but in a nice way but in a, but in a really well composed way yeah he's a he's a director that makes you want to clarify adjectives <laughs> because some them up <laughs> <laughs> so uh, aside from requiem for a dream uh, any other standout moments in, in his back catalogue? Um, well, I saw Noah in a cinema in Bangkok. Oh, you were the one. You you were the one who watched Noah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I distinctly, well, 
it's one of those those uh those uh, film experiences where like there was like about four other people in the cinema and like the the, the culture of uh of going to the cinema in in Asia or at least in in Thailand is chat on lads <laughs> chat your way through it so I was going up to people in the cinema time to shut up and sitting back down and uh I don't really it kind of wrecked the experience of the film um I do remember the visually it's incredible and uh, I do need to watch it again um I think that in his films there's definitely uh, a theme of people being obsessed yes. of kind of pursuing things to to, to the dogged end um start I mean Pi is probably the best example of it but I mean Black Swan Noah and the Fountain uh, The Fountain yeah. yeah 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 absolutely they're all very different and distinct films but yes you're right they they have that thread that ties them all together you you mentioned going to see Noah or, or planning on watching Noah again I haven't seen Noah, would you recommend it to people to see? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got that thing of there's there's so much depth and density to it um, that it almost it, it demands multiple viewings. Now, I do remember that the second half of it was there was a lot, but there was I found quite problematic. Sure. Aside from people talking in the cinema, but I think it's the same with all of these films. I mean, there there isn't a film that we've mentioned that I wouldn't happily sit down and watch again. Wait, Reckon for a Dream. I second yeah. that emotion yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I have yet to sit down for a second time and watch Requiem for a Dream because okay. <clears throat> I, I remember being completely shell-shocked. It's an excellent film. It's really well made and it's so emotionally draining. Mm. But I just can't. I can't do it. I'm sure it would, it would take nothing. It may even be on Netflix, but I've been afraid to go back to it because yeah. of because of the feels. Yeah. You're afraid to even look it up, like. <laughs> yeah. That last 20 minutes is just an absolute... It's a gauntlet, like. It sure it, it's is. such tough going. Um, but how about you, Joe? What, what comes to mind when you are when you think of... The- uh, well, I quite enjoyed The Wrestler, and The Wrestler is, is, is quite straightforward for, for Aronofsky, mm-hmm. but it is expertly told. There are a few directors who could take that uh, cheesy 80s soundtrack and give it the gravitas that, that he did. Is there a good soundtrack to it? To the wrestler? Yeah. <laughs> you <Uh-oh>. mean? <laughs> uh, we'll drop in some uh, some round and round by Rat here. That, that oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, it's all like. It's all kind of like hair metal, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's awesome. It is absolutely oh, fantastic. Lord. Yes. And tragic at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Just like the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I remember watching The Fountain as well. And The Fountain is, is quite a challenging piece of, of cinema. Even now, I would have difficulty recounting the events. I, I know that there are three separate stories going on, but they're interleaved and interlinked in some way. Um, Hugh Jackman is uh, trying to battle demons and, and trying to uh, find a cure for his wife. And then there's some bizarreness in the future where he's this enlightened being. That's and, right. Yeah. But what I do remember about that film are the visuals. And I remember the soundtrack, which was it Mogwai did the soundtrack to that? Yeah, but, he, it, it gets very Star Child, doesn't it, with... Um with uh, with Jackman towards the end, like he is actually floating in space. Yeah, absolutely. Towards the end, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think to bring up two thousand and one, like it is, it is apt because Aronofsky is this auteur whose work stands on its own and as a parable for other things, mm. which leads us nicely into Mother, Mother. Yeah, that's fun actually. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let it live. Mother! <laughs> Let's go back to the trailer for a moment. When I saw the trailer, I expected, like, it seemed to me like it was Rosemary's Baby for the new wave of French extremism. Martyrs meets uh, Antichrist meets Rosemary's Baby. So the, ter- the, the, the trailer had me terrified. Um, how about you, Sean? Interesting. Um, I didn't get that amount of darkness from the trailer. The Rosemary's Baby thing, definitely. I thought that it was going to be much more along those lines. I mean, sure. not that Rosemary's Baby is like a typical psychological thriller, but I thought very much in that vein. The posters I thought were fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, they're like completely abstract. But I do appreciate that they that with the trailers and the poster, they didn't try to market it as something other than what it was. Okay. Like, like it does get a lot more extreme than what's presented in the trailer, but it's not presenting it like you know, vaguely like a romance or... or oh, no, absolutely <clears throat> not. No, no. Yeah. And, they could, and they could have done that. And that's been done, you know, with similar films. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It seemed like the Jennifer Lawrence crowd were in for a shock. Big time, big time. And I suppose before we delve into details about Mother, we should disclaim here and say we, we are going to spoil the living crap out of it. Although um, it being the film that it is, it's it's actually difficult to spoil plot elements. And we, we'll discuss why in a, in a moment. Mm. Um, so to anyone who doesn't know, the, the film stars Jennifer Lawrence as the eponymous Mother. It stars Javier Bardem, who's credited as him. Uh, you have Ed Harris, who is man, and Michelle Pfeiffer as woman. And uh, the, the two brothers are played by the Gleason brothers, Brian and Donald. Uh, so it's, it's good to see them in a film together. It's good to see. But from the listing of the, the characters, for want of a better word, it's apparent what kind of film we're dealing with. This is not your standard narrative. No, no, for sure. Um... I didn't realize that until watching the credits at the end. And even even at that I don't think I realized like the extent of it until after wa- after watching it, especially the fact that him is the only not just character but person in the entire credits who is capitalized. And that seems very significant. Yeah. Yeah. So to to delve into the setting of mother it's a couple in this uh, this house Jennifer Lawrence's character the mother is uh, doing the upkeep on the house and Javier Bardem is he's, he has writer's block he's this poet and he's he's struggling to come up with his next creative output I don't know about you but it, it seems strange from the off there was something not quite right about the movie throughout it obviously wasn't operating as a standard narrative um, and I very quickly realised that people weren't referring to each other by their names did you spot that? Yeah. Yes. In fact, in terms of things we spotted, and this may be jumping around, I predicted the ending from the opening scene. You did not. <laughs> Absolutely. You did not predict the ending. Yes. Yes. Liar, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it just seemed like there was only there was one, only one possible solution to to that. Once, once you I mean sh- from the, like from the very opening shot where it's the close up of her with the the flames and all that. Is it, it, it's it's from that that entire sequence. So okay. It's the the, the, the flames house uh, being the, the house being regenerated and <clears throat> the, um, the the crystal or the, uh, the the essence being being placed back into the house okay um, that, okay. that that only makes sense one way and I kind of 
I saw that from there. But enough about you that. You do you do have a long, <laughs> prolific history of guessing the ending of films, though. I you see what I'm leaving out is all the wrong guesses. So <laughs> there, there could be oh, ten, yeah. ten separate guesses. Right, right, right. Uh, but I, I I did land on the one. It's like it's like inventing the light bulb, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no um, one sees the hundreds of light bulbs that didn't that didn't work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So where were we? Um, I think Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer were about to get to the house. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it was it was interesting to me when when they arrived. A lot of strange stuff started happening. Mm. Like particularly, Ed Harris was this kind of this unwanted presence in the house, and that was clear. And the character, the, the him character, wanted him there, and the mother character didn't. And it wasn't until the brothers showed up that I twigged exactly what was going on from an allegorical standpoint. Okay. Uh, and then it then it made sense. Um, how, how about you? Did, did did you put it together immediately, or was it? To be honest, I was the allegorical side to it. I think I, I was I was slightly aware of it, yeah. but I just watched it for what it was, just for a, a narrative that, that that takes you and just like pushes you through this this roller coaster, you know? Okay. Um, and I think that's kind of maybe the core of like the, the different experiences that people have been having with us, you know, because to, I think to read it literally would be a, a deeply confusing experience. Um, and that's been borne out in some of the reviews. Um, one in particular that absolutely boggled my mind was, uh, but the reviewer was saying we're, things like we're expected to believe this that Bardem writes this this incredible poem or this piece of literature and then and then within in in less than 24 hours that after it's released that there are like crowds of people at the house and I'm and I'm like that's not what we're supposed to believe like yeah. like of course not and uh, and as you said like the, the 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 sense that there are that there's um there's something off about the film aside from the 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 madness of the opening scene but like just even the interactions and not referring to people like while I didn't pick up on that I'm sure that's some subconscious level because I felt like very much as ill at ease throughout throughout the film, but in in the best possible in a, in a Hitchcockian way, like in a, in a way of like okay, there's something massive happening underneath the surface here, and when it erupts, it's going to erupt in a big way, and yes, and it certainly did. To to that point, I think anyone who who reads it literally is doing themselves and the film a disservice. But I think there will be and have been quite a lot of people who read it literally, and I think. A lot of those people were in the screening with me when I went to see it because um, I remember toward the end of the film, laughter erupting in the, in the, the screening. And while I, I wasn't compelled to laugh, I wasn't one bit amused or, or I didn't feel that tension or the need to, to release it through laughter. I could totally understand someone who would. At what points, just so maybe this might, might be kind of um, jumping the gun, but at what points... Were, were the la- were the laughter? Do you remember? Uh, well, I know there was one specific moment at the very very end, but but prior to that, I think it was uh, when the house is being completely ransacked, and uh, it's it's actually quite confusing and difficult to tell what's going on in between shots. Mm. Um, I think during one of those moments, uh, there was an eruption of laughter, just of of incredulity from behind me, right. um, but. Then specifically, and this is to jump right to the end, um, it was after the uh, the oil explosion in the in the cellar, which mm. isn't a literal oil explosion, although 
oil is involved. It was Jennifer Lawrence's character surviving the explosion was the thing that made people laugh because it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And someone <clears throat> holding someone in their arms, it, it just, it looked, it looked wrong. It, it looked computer generated and it looked sort of strange. And I think that was what people were responding to. Also, completely impossible from a literal point of view. Yeah. Well, that, again, that, but that's, and I remember seeing that, but I think at, at that point for me, the, like the, the literal reading of it had gone way out the window. Okay. I mean, but the literal reading is gone by the time Kristen Wiig's character gets killed and or tries to tries to kill her like in the oh, and, a, yeah. and a, like a war breaks out in in the basement like um at that point you're you're kind of and this is what what I what I loved about the film was that that the dream logic that seemed to have been kind of bubbling throughout a bum just on the surface throughout the film really bursts through and and kind of fulfills the the potential that that that's been that's been promising throughout the parts in it that this really um, struck me and um, that the, the really kind of got under my skin was the scene where the people were sitting on the sink and she says, okay, get off and they get off and, th- and they go back three or four times and there's a guy, I, I think in the same scene, the guy, the guy is cracking onto her. Yes. And he says, you know, you're an arrogant. Yeah. And she turns back and they're back on the sink. It's that thing of, they've been building up this idea of social norms being destroyed and 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 the idea that she's she's overreacting every time she says I don't want this to happen. Why are you bringing people into the house, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But when she keeps looking back, and um, those people are back up on the sink in, yeah. within seconds, there was something that appealed to to dream logic so accurately about that. That's what happens in in nightmares. It's the beginning of a nightmare. Is that like okay? It's reality. It feels like reality, but something is wrong. Like, yes. like this can't this can't be happening. These people cannot be back up there. Like they're not children. They're back up. They're back up. They're they're back up, and that's what brings those feelings of of intense of intense kind of intense discomfort and almost panic. I think I mentioned to you already this, um, or mentioned b- b- before uh, recording this. This um, uh, a guy I met the other day said he was at a screening in uh, in Mahan Point in in Cork, yes. and there was a guy. Uh, sitting nearby him who had a full-on panic attack and got up and left and the guy was like hyperventilating and as I also said to you there was, at the screening I was at and there was maybe maybe 20-30 people there um, there was a lady sitting uh, in the row in front of me in a few seats to the left and she was having an awful time I mean she was like gasping I, I, I think it's the closest thing I've seen to someone actually like having a uh, an honest scream in the cinema I mean she was she was having a really tough time. Were there any particular moments or was that throughout that was cumulative, was it? Um, I can't specifically remember. I, I, I can probably say that the, the moment when the baby died, sure. I, I gasped. Yeah. And, all, and also the, that, that shot looking down at Jennifer Lawrence when they started beating her up was absolutely harrowing. That reminded me so much of the scene in uh, Irreversible uh, in the nightclub where the dude takes uh, a fire extinguisher to the other guy's head and it's the camera is just uh, handheld as if it's right up as if it's just, there's just somebody there shooting this and somebody's getting absolutely destroyed physically destroyed and it's happening right in front of you and to see that happen in a in, in a mainstream film to Jennifer Lawrence and you're and you're watching her face like come apart in front of you was absolutely disturbing 
but it did but it did but in and in this in in the way that in the same way that irreversible is and um, and especially with martyrs which I know we, we've, we've talked about before it didn't feel gratuitous but okay. but that's from the point of view of somebody who was like I bought I really bought into that idea of social um, collapse yeah so so for social collapse to like outright to like a literally war breaking out to to that happening made sense on a on a on a on an escalation level but i can completely understand somebody who came in and just expecting a a straight down the line narrative be even if it was an extreme horror film that like that that did have a like something like hostel i was actually thinking about this like this like a film like hostel like i mean i remember watching that and thinking like like just watching absolutely these gruesome awful things happen to people but i didn't really care yeah you know but in this film, I, I I did care, but I can I can imagine the frustration of somebody who reads it literally, and then they're they're just watching Jennifer Lawrence get the shit kicked out of her in in the most realistic manner possible for no reason after her yeah. after her baby's been eaten. It's it's a lot to take in. Um, it, it really is. It, I can I can empathize with anyone who who went to this and had an awful experience. Um, I, I can't say that it was a good experience for me, but I think I, I at least um, appreciated what, what the filmmaker and th- what the film was trying to explore. And maybe it, it could be good to circle back around and, and maybe talk about what we each think each of these things means. For instance, the the house, the idyllic setting, the mother and him and these intruders who come in. Did that resonate with you at all? Um, to be quite honest, the uh, the allegorical um, layers that are on these the, the the film didn't hit me until afterwards, okay. and I did, and I I, I I went and looked it up, and I um, read some interviews with Aronofsky, and thought, yeah, okay, well, it's the he because he quite um, explicitly says it's Mother Nature, and the house is Earth, and this um, Bardem is is god sure. and and then there are people who who um who, who build on that in various reviews that did not uh occur to well it didn't occur to me certainly as clearly as that while watching the film but when i read those uh interpretations i it just added it, it added more to it was just gravy like it was uh just cherries on top but how about for you similarly it was baffling in the cinema but i think it was the two brothers that crystallized it if, if you pardon the expression crystal uh, it, it crystallized the whole thing particularly when the man is being nursed by him and he's got the um, scar in his rib to me that evokes the genesis story and uh, the garden of eden and uh, adam and eve being eve being constructed from his rib and the two brothers cain and abel one killing the other i thought okay right i have something to latch on to here uh, and then clearly Jennifer Lawrence's character is Mother Earth or the world or the universe, uh, depending on your, your interpretation. And and then obviously the capitalized him being God um, and and his his weakness or his his unending love of the human characters who come in and wreck the gaff mm-hmm. uh, and especially him being a poet and having an Old Testament and a New Testament. That made a lot of sense. Even watching it, I was like, OK, yeah, that, that kind of stacks up there are moments when it doesn't but you can appreciate that there is some of that in there yeah 
There is also the environmental uh, message in the film. So um, peppered in among in, amongst that, you have characters remarking, oh, is, is, is anyone else hot in here? Or you have um, Jennifer Lawrence remarking, where all these people come from? Uh, it's it's so crowded in here. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, alluding to and and as you said, the, the people sitting on the on the uh, on the sink, um, being warned repeatedly that what they're doing is going to end in destruction, and not heeding those warnings. Uh, there's a lot of that all the way through the film in terms of man's folly and humanity not learning and deliberately despoiling and thieving and. Giving in to all sorts of base desires and and whatever else. So, the biblical framework was a nice thing to to hang it all on, and then everything else was a sort of a an offshoot of that. Thing. Yeah, I did read somewhere as well that the uh, the, the the people on the sink, which we, we keep talking about, as what what just that it just so got under my skin so much. But um, this when they stay there and the the wall behind them collapses, and then it's only when they flood. Yeah. the house which causes them to leave and apparent and like in biblical chronology this is them being warned and warned and warned and then there's a, a deluge that, yes. that, that 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 wipes the place and you know and this from the director of noah you know of course yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. um so it starts to get very confused after the new testament comes out and um all the the crazy shit starts happening in the house. So it is actually quite difficult to track the various metaphors and allegories. Did, I haven't researched this, so did you come across any in, in the supplementary reading or did any strike you in the cinema while you were watching? Nothing that we haven't really discussed already. Um, possibly the, the idea that, uh, well, a, after the burning of the house and she's when she's brought outside, that the idea that there's a kind of almost a, a rebooting process happening and this this hasn't this hasn't worked with with this iteration of of nature and humanity, but they're 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 going to give another go, which weirdly reminded me of the Matrix a little bit, you know. Yeah, a kind of a reboot idea. Um, yeah, to me it seemed like a a Big Bang Big Crunch scenario yeah. where it was like a restart of the universe, and um, I didn't get the hopeful message that you got, where okay, we'll give it another shot and maybe it'll work this time. To me, it seemed like. Oh, this has happened again and again and again, yeah. and it would work out exactly the same this time. A different mother in this case. Yeah, yeah, and Aronofsky certainly in in interviews has been quite open about the tone of it, and he has and he has explicitly said that the leaders in charge of his country at the moment and like denying climate change while their country is being torn apart by the the biggest storms and hurricanes that they've ever seen. He's made it about that as well. You know, he wrote it in five days. I did hear that. Uh, it's impressive that it was put together in five days, but I would say he he had the framework of the Bible to work with. So a lot of that was made before, you know, obviously a long time before he came along. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is an interesting... I, I would latch on to that. I would say, okay, it was written in five days. It's an impressive achievement. But you said you said that there's this depth underneath, and I agree that there's, there's depth underneath, but I think that there's garbage on top. I think that like it's like looking into a beautiful lake and under the water it's all shimmering and delightful but there are problems on the surface that spoil the enjoyment of the of the film. I think it's great that it explored that story but I think 
it's possible to wrap that up in a satisfying narrative on the surface level also. Um, I don't know, what, what's your take on that? Um, I would disagree. I I think this, as, as I mentioned earlier, I thought that the 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 story as it as it stands even without any of the the allegorical layers is was completely riveting and engaging but i know that for me it was as i as i again as i said it's something that it really it really got under my skin from the beginning and i was fascinated to see where it would go i had heard from from different people as well that like that the last half hour goes absolutely mental and i think in my head i i'd imagined some sort of a very something much more kind of in the lines of a, of a standard horror was going to happen and it wasn't and it went off in a completely different direction I couldn't I really couldn't believe what I was seeing because when it, when they start going into the in the underground levels of the house and the war is breaking out and the, and the the soldier tries to save her and gets shot in the head but I was in I was I believed it you know um, the, the scenes as well where like Bardem's waiting for her to fall asleep so he can take the baby but again, in the in that kind of nightmarish dream logic, she's not going to escape. Like, of course, she's going to fall asleep, and of course, sure. there's a, a, a second is going to pass. She's going to wake up, and he's going to be outside with with the baby. And so, from a dream logic approach, which is very difficult to to obviously verbalize and quantify, it felt completely right to me that all, that all this was happening. And I think as well that um, just from a cinematic standpoint, the the idea of like buying into those characters like i was like i was with the jennifer lawrence character throughout i was you know i, I really wanted her to the, the sense of inevitability for her of her fate was kind of seen from the from the, the beginning and i was i was interested to see what was going to happen with her and i but i did you know you don't want to see her suffer but it reminded me weirdly a bit of dunkirk where okay, do tell yeah so the so the idea that in Dunkirk, you don't have a backstory for these characters and you're just dropped into this situation with them and you care about them because of almost a physical... Um, it's that, that sense of physical proximity, but also just a physical empathy. You're just dropped into the house with these people and you, as her situation gets worse and worse and it escalates, you're just... You know, and the same reaction I had, the same reaction that lady had, the same reaction the the guy with the panic attack had, and I would say there's like the you know that that thing about like comedy is so close to tragedy that like it's a film that would be nigh on impossible not to react to, but for me it was the it was the reaction was like complete and total engagement as just as a, a, a as a piece of cinema as well it was incredibly impressive in terms of the the set pieces that that happen towards the end because she's getting like even just the, the environment that she, that they're moving through she's getting dragged from place to place but every room she goes into where the 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 madness is is going up and up it felt it felt like a smooth transition sure. you know even though even though every, every room she goes into it's going up like 5 or 10% until it goes absolutely insane but that those segues felt cinematically intact and I and I loved that about it and uh, I, I, I felt like I bought into that and I was thinking actually of um, have you seen Split? The... No I haven't Okay 
it's good. It's not amazing, but it's it's definitely one of his one of his better films. But there's a scene at the beginning where uh, a kidnapping happens, and it's a set piece, and it's absolutely amazing. And it's you know Shyamalan at his best is I think rivals Hitchcock. You know the the stuff there's stuff in the Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs, and this one particular scene in Split that is it's edge of your seat within the first couple of minutes and again it's that thing of you hardly know these characters but because of the the cinematic setup of it and just just the just the thing of seeing a person in physical danger and empathizing with it like like nolan did like to a, a massive extent and incredibly successfully with don kirk that you're just there with them and i think this aronofsky absolutely pulled that off to a to a massive extent with um uh, to massive success with mother, but the, your your reaction your reaction to it is could be laughter or could be sitting there in absolute horror or it could be like could be completely engaged, but as a piece of cinema, it's impossible not to be not to react to it, and I think that's a that's a massive achievement. Okay, yeah, no, I I I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, people will vary on their reactions, but they cannot, they 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 cannot but react. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a challenging film in every sense, from a narrative point of view, from meanings below the surface, from a visual barrage of imagery. Like it's astounding, mm. um, and it it really does challenge. It, it challenges what people are willing to see in the multiplex as well. There, there's an argument to say that these sort of films belong in an art house and that they shouldn't be paraded in front of a mainstream audience. But I think the opposite is true, that a mainstream audience should have the opportunity to see this and and to react, as you say, to to take it or leave it or um, to go home in an ambulance if need be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But to be shocked into some reaction. It reminded me of, um, that there's a phrase in... Um in psychedelia in, in, in drug circles it was quite popular in the 60s and 70s and it's the idea that um, if you take a large dose of a psychedelic like like LSD if it starts to become too intense or it starts to go wrong that one of the mantras that you can refer to is the only way out is through and you, you have to ride the wave there's no point in fighting it yeah and the more you fight it the more the more traumatic it, it will be and it could have lasting consequences um, and it's that thing of trying to hang on to the logical mind in the midst of this chemical destruction of your ego that causes people to, to react like to end up in, a, in an ambulance right and it reminded me in an abstract way of that of, of how of how mother was that if you if you're trying to grab onto a literal meaning through it through, scene by scene saying but but like how can those people be there that quickly you know what did he write why why is she crying why like why is michelle fighting what you know that that would be almost a a, a cinematically traumatic experience because it's th- there is no respite it just <laughs> it, you know it gets bigger and bigger and then the and then the final scene is it doesn't it doesn't round things off in a literal sense at all and it just it is what it is yeah yeah it's a it's a remarkable film i cannot honestly say that i enjoyed it because it is 
it is so traumatic and as you say it is it is so uh, polarizing and even within your own mind it's polarizing because it's, mm. it's, it's pulling you in different directions um i'm glad i saw it um and i do recognize that it's an achievement and um, i'm glad that this film exists i will not be watching mother again mm-hmm. um but i'm glad i saw it the once yeah how about you would you be watching mother again I would like to watch it again. I may even go back to the cinema to watch it again. Um, just because I was so overwhelmed by the uh, by the experience of it. I think also I, I I would like to watch it again from a technical standpoint because there was there was one interview with Aronofsky where he said he said when the behind the scenes footage of this comes out, you will not believe what happened because I mean if you you think of like the 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 amount of technical work that went into something like Birdman where there are there's like 15 crew members running behind the camera at all times setting up lights here taking down lights there and it all has to be gone once it's once the camera moves past that point that's happening all the way throughout Mother as well because it's moving with J-Law at all times um there was an interesting. Did you spot a lot? There was a lot of that um, that um, motion tracking thing on her face, where, okay. the, where her face oh, would, would, right. would kind of like they do with uh, um, with Pennywise with and Pennywise it. and it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I couldn't quite figure that out whether that was just a, a really uh, really good steadicam operator. It didn't seem like one of those harnesses like they used in Requiem for a Dream, which mm. is like looking straight at the at the actor. Um, so you're saying that that's digitally done. It's it's a it's a wider frame. It's um, motion compensated or it's stabilized on the face, and then it's shrunk down. Exactly. If so, if you shoot it like a bit wider than normal at an extremely high resolution, Fincher does this all the time, and then you can push in to by one K or whatever, and you can you can focus on something that's moving in the in the frame and adjust the movement of the digital camera within that frame to to move with it not 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 to not to stick with it perfectly but to to adjust for us to to some degree and they were they were doing that in it um just as a just as an aside as well um i remember reading about this ages ago but this is um uh, in requiem for a dream um the scene there's a scene where ellen burston gives this heartfelt speech about what she's looking for and like the the, the, it's been a long since i saw now but she's she's speaking about like the the nature of happiness and what she what she wants to she wants to be a TV star she wants to get on some like a reality show or something yeah it, remember. It, it's about it's about acceptance and about like recognition and being loved and, and all these things yeah yeah so she has a monologue where she's speaking to to Jared Leto about halfway through the monologue the camera starts to shake and the closer it gets to her face the more it's shaking and the reason is the director of photography broke down in tears while she was giving this monologue because it's incredibly powerful and he presumed when they finished this okay we're going to do this again you know god forgive me this it's beautiful performance so have to do it again and aronofsky this is we're yeah we're like this is better like we're going to keep this this is like if this aesthetically comes across in any sense this the emotion is being transferred through the car is is affecting the camera itself then then that's great, which fits in with the... Of course, the inst- it's, it's, it's sublime, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. I, when you were starting that story, I thought maybe you were going to say that, um, like Evil Dead, 
the uh, the camera was on the end of a long plank <laughs> and, and it was a literal push in and as it got further away it got less stable <laughs> but uh, that's a way better story <laughs> yeah it's a doozy okay so we'll leave it there for mother mother <laughs> um, yeah I, I look if if you've made it this far and you haven't already seen mother well fair play to you yeah. because uh, it's now thoroughly ruined for you <laughs> so um, you can get on to us with your feedback uh, at shiteguistpod Sean where can people find you online people can find me on twitter at, at seanoconnor1 and if they go to my website seanoconnor.com that's s-h-a-u-n o'connor.com have you any events coming up you would like to plug indeed I do Joe I have a photography exhibition for my travels in India happening in St. Peter's in Cork City the launch is going to be Wednesday the 4th of October at 5 o'clock and it's going to run through the entire month of October and it's all photographs taken on my mobile phone five months travel in India and from what I've seen I am really looking forward to the exhibition and I'll be there with Bellasan so thank you very much Sean. thank you very much Joe <laughs>